Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to SFP Now. Welcome to another edition of SFP Now. Um, with me, as always, this month is Ray Reisa, and we're obviously going to be talking about um, COVID nineteen and how it's affecting some of the shows that we that we regularly cover. But we're also going to be uh, giving you guys our review of Picard, um, and we'll be talking about Project Blue Book, which is just finished, um, as well as. Um, you get my view on the uh, UK edition of Disney Plus, which um, which just launched last week over here in the UK on the uh, 23rd of March. Um, but by the time this goes out, it might be might be a little little bit on from that. So, um, so welcome to the show, Raisa. What have you been up to? I've just been I've been um, self isolating, which I have to do because I live in Florida, which has a really high elderly population, and I live on the um, um, assisted living floor of a retirement community because I'm disabled and need that level of help. Mm-hmm. So I live, I live basically in the in a in a in what will be a hot spot if we're not careful because our governor is an idiot and he's not taking all the precautions yeah. that he should be taking. Bit like our prime minister, but you know, never mind. Yeah, um, separate conversation. Yeah, separate conversation and. Uh, and all of that, I mean, you know, it's all like it's um, it's been madness in this country, but it always is. <laughs> it's, you know, it's kind of like uh, the, the lunatics running the asylum are truly lunatics this time round, <laughs> okay? Um, because both our prime minister and the health minister actually ended up getting COVID 19, and the prime minister's still ill with it. Uh, the health minister just came out of isolation yesterday um, to, uh, to 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 do all the press stuff because he's now recovered from it, um, supposedly. Um, but you know, moving on, we'll get get on to talking about stuff that we're actually interested in and that we're actually here for, and you know, basically the stuff that makes us happy, and the stuff uh-huh. that also frustrates us a, a great deal. Um, so it's very uh, mixed bag. Uh, so what do you want to cover first? Should we do um? Should we do Picard we do, first? We could do Picard because apart from the show, I also want to discuss the prequel novel, which I think is an integral part of the process of the, yeah. the show. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been criticising the show, saying it's too dark and it's not Starfleet or not Star Trek sort of thing. Um, one, I think those people look at Star Trek The Next Generation with rose-tainted glasses. Yeah. Um, two, I think those people probably would have enjoyed Picard a lot better had they read, had they, had they read the prequel novel. Yes. Um, because it's all like um, the prequel sets up the, the, the story in a lot of ways. And it also gives us a Starfleet, which is more like the Starfleet that they remember from, from, the, uh, from, from the series. 
Well, yes, yeah. But Starfleet's always had dodgy generals, do- dodgy admirals and dodgy commodores that have sort of like uh, gone down the wrong path. It's always, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, it's a trope, so... Yeah, it's always been a trope in Star Trek. So, you know, a lot of people were, 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 didn't like the fact that the uh, simps were banned and um, Starfleet would, had gone sort of like kind of xenophobic when it came to simps and stuff like that. Um, but, well, you know, they... There are past instances of that. I mean, you know, what about the eugenics wars back in back in the nineteen nineties in, in in terms yeah. of Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's all kinds of all kinds of things, and it, and and when you look at the um, Picard series, and if you look at the control thing from Star Trek Discovery, they do kind of tie, they do kind of cross over. They do. Um, but we'll we'll go, go talk a bit about the prequel novel first because I I think that really does bear talking about because it's it's actually a must read for people that like Picard I think because it's sort of like I uh, actually liked it I actually liked it better than the show proper and the grand and just in terms of flow um, but they're they're both necessary and I think the critics are missing a very key meta level point in that. In order to get Picard on the air at all, they had to convince Patrick Stewart to come back. In order to convince Patrick Stewart to come back, they had to give him a script worth his time. And what we have in Patrick Stewart is a now aging, much more contemplative Shakespearean actor. And so what they had to give him was a much more contemplative Shakespearean narrative. And if you look at it as Shakespearean narrative, um, the prequel novel is, if you think of it as Hamlet, the prequel novel is, uh, is Hamlet. Mm-hmm. And then, then the series itself, because you know at the end of Hamlet, Hamlet is dying, everybody's dead, and Hamlet is dying, and he's saying to Horatio to absent himself from Felicity a while and tell his story. Well, the, the prequel novel is Hamlet, and the series proper is absenting themselves from Felicity a while to tell the story. So they actually come out of the tragedy. And so they're both structurally necessary. Yeah, and they mo- yeah I mean, I, 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 felt, I felt that as well. Um, but what, what I felt was, uh, was good about the prequel, the prequel novel was the, uh, it sets up why the simps were... Sort of like you know, it 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 tells that story, but also tells the story of why Starfleet uh, suddenly pulled their support away from Picard and 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 the Roming and relocation project. Yeah, and, and and the really sad thing, the tragedy part of it is that all of the responses were warranted at the time. Mm-hmm. Every everything was logical. It was just painful and logical. Yeah, and and just and the thing where the TV series suffers is they you don't get that explanation as to why Starfleet pulled their part away. It's not explained, no. and and I think that's sort of like something that that's that that's something that's another thing. One one of the main things. It's one of the main bones of contention with with, with the critics. They're saying Starfleet would never pull their part away. Well, yeah, they they would, and um, uh-huh. given the circumstances that were laid out in the novel. Um, because for those that don't know, and those that have not read the, mod, the novel, spoiler here, because I'm guessing that a majority of people that critique the show probably won't, won't, won't be bothered about reading the novel anyway. Um, it will only be a small group that do. Um, in, 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 in the book, 
Picard actually relocates a group of Romulans to a world that is on the Starfleet side of the neutral zone. And the these, these are member worlds of the Federation that don't like it. And they start... Um, they start a xenophobic campaign because of it, you know, questioning what Picard is doing, questioning the, the, the whole sort of like reason for relocating these, the, these Romulans on, on, on the Federation side of the border. Well, the reason is, is because the, um, is because the, 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 the star going, going supernova, as it, as it is, it's described in the book, is going to destroy a lot more of the Romulan side of neutral zone than, than, than as originally predicted. So Picard has to do something, and, and that's what happens um, in it, really. So that's basically... It the... is. That is. And what I, what I loved about it is that if you look at the novel, um, the novel is basically what Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they had a much more, a much less histrionic, much more balanced iteration of catastrophe and what it looks like and what the people on all sides of it have to do and the choices they have to make. I mean, the novel really does put human nature under the microscope. Um, You know, I'd I'd say that the novel sort of seeds by and large where where the Picard TV series uh, was struggling to watch and get to because by the time we get to the Picard TV series, everyone is broken. Raffi's broken um, for reasons that are actually explained in the novel um, and, and touched on a little bit in the series. Um, the the captain is broken uh, for reasons that are not in the novel because he's not featured in the novel, unfortunately, which is a shame. Um, yes, yeah. Because, you know, to me, he was one of the most interesting new characters, you know, especially with all the holograms of himself. Oh, yeah, that was wonderful. Um, and, um, and, 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 oh, God, what was the name now? The, uh, the, 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 the Agnes. No, not Agnes. Agnes, not Agnes, uh, the, the, the cyberneticist, the, the guy that she, she was involved oh, with. Maddox. Maddox. Um, we, we get a lot more of the relationship between Maddox and and, and, um, and Agnes in the book, which, you know, really, which really sort of like enhances um, the, the impact of Agnes actually kinging Maddox in the series. Yes, yeah. It, it makes a lot more sense. The one character, the one Star Trek alumnus that I really wish we had seen more of in, or any of in... Um, the series proper was LeVar Burton's Georgia LaForge, because LaForge has a massive arc in the book. He does. Massive. Huge arc, and um, he also he also has huge payoff in the book, which we could have seen leak over into the TV series. I mean, I, I would have loved to have seen LaForge wrapped with guilt over over being be, being sort of like uh, one of the few survivors of the Utopia Planitia attack. Uh, because he yeah. just happened to be on his way back there at the time of the attack happening, you know, because he was on yeah. Earth, you know, he was on Earth sorting Maddox out. So. Yeah, and yeah, and it's and it's one of those things where LeVar Burton can play that material. He's frankly earned the right to play that material, and I hope that we see that at some point um, because he he could he could really deliver. I also really appreciated the. The portrait of Maddox, um, the fact that we sort of get a Frankenstein mm-hmm. cyberneticist. Um, he was it was a marvelously old school space opera portrayal of a man who doesn't quite understand how far off the rails he is going. 
you know, and um, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, so little of it made it into the show proper. It's it's unfortunate because again, and not to blame Sir Patrick for any of this because it's not his fault, but I think one of the side effects of him being older now is that he had to negotiate the number of episodes he was willing to do because he's 79 going on 80, and I think that he had it had to have a long conversation with them about his energy levels now and the number of episodes he was willing to do as a lead actor on a show. And I think 10 episodes is probably what he negotiated. Um, but the, the season could have probably been probably closer to 15 and it would have been a little better. It would, they would have mm. been able to space out and, 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 uh, and pace out these things a little more effectively. I mean, you know, the thing I really liked was the uh, in the finale was the uh, was the crew shot we got at the end of all of them. Yes, thought, it's like you know, it, it took a while, but they were finally a crew. You know, yeah. it, it sort of like it set things up. I mean, I liked, I loved Jerry Ryan's reprisal of Seven of Nine, and I just loved how Seven of Nine has evolved. Um, yes, I was a bit pissed off about the uh, wholesale murder of Echeb. <laughs> yes, and the wholesale murder of Hugh. Mm, um, I kind of seen that one coming now. Yeah, you know, you know, because Hugh's always been kind of a tragic character and a bit of a tragic yeah. hero. Yeah. So I kind of seen seen it coming with Hugh. With Echeb, it, it felt very gratuitous, exploitive. Yeah, yeah exploitive and gratuitous. Um, what felt more so gratuitous about it was they didn't even get Manu Interemi to uh, reprise the role. And um, he he has a few things to say about that because he he was interviewed shortly after by by a bunch of websites and uh, and 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 vloggers, um, uh-huh. and apparently he thinks that um, something he said with regards to um, to to, to uh, what's his name now uh, Kevin Kevin Spacey a few years back uh, may have impacted um, his his career on, on Star Trek because uh, he's not done any Star Trek conventions because of something he said on Twitter with regard to um, Kevin Spacey uh, when Kevin Spacey was accused of uh, sexually assaulting um, the guy that plays Stamets in, 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 in Discovery. Uh. Um, and he basically explained it in the interview that he didn't have all the facts at the time. He'd not really, he just heard this on, on the grapevine. He, he didn't even hear it on Twitter. He heard it sort of like um, elsewhere. And he posted on Twitter that, um, you know, that they wasn't, you know, that he'd met Kevin Spacey and he's sort of like, he, he, he didn't really see, see him as the type of person that'd do such a thing, sort of thing. But then after the fact, after he posted that and got so much backlash from it, he did a bit of research and found out. Um, to the extent of uh, the evidence that was against Kevin Spacey, and he, he he posted a public apology to to the guy that played Stamets, and the guy that played Stamets took, accepted the the apology, you know, very gracefully and and whatnot. Um, yeah. So you know, it's basically uh, someone within the creative team of. Um, of Picard, um, he was either holding a grudge about that, or you know maybe maybe they just couldn't be bothered getting Manu Manu and Tarami back, um, which is a shame uh, uh-huh. because Interami he, he 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 was a main part of Voyager for the last few years of that show was Echep, you know he saw like he was he did develop a really interesting and and, and nuanced character for that yeah. series. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 tragedy that that. You know, he, he wasn't able to um, reprise the role, even if it was for his death scene. 
No. Um, the one thing I was the one thing I was curious about though is if you if you have read the book, um, there, the one my favorite subplot in the book was not featured in the season at all. It involved the Cambridge astronomers. I hated that subplot. I think it went on for way too long in the book. I adored it for one mm. simple reason. Uh, it revealed that the supernova was artificially induced. True, but it kind of it kind of went on a little bit too long for my taste. You know, yeah, the, the back yeah. and forth between that and the, uh, the, the 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 scientist on on Romulus. Mm. Yeah. Know? Um, I mean, they didn't even have visited Romulus to go to that scientist. They could have maybe just visited him once when, when, when his whole world falls apart and he dies and he chooses to stay on Romulus. True. true. It just it just sort of like uh, it, that 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 those chapters in you know with, with that kind of drag you know slowed the pace of the book down a little bit too much for my taste. True, but we don't know what they plan for season two. It could be that it could be that one of the side effects of having Sir Patrick on is that they had to plan the series out to a greater extent beforehand, and so season two we'll, we'll delve into more of this stuff mm-hmm. for all we know. I mean, so yeah. I mean, what what they could do in season two is they could actually give Patrick Stewart an episode off and delve into the delve into the characterizations of some of the other characters, which you know, quite frankly, probably need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because Raffi's had a pretty good run in the series, um, but uh, Rios, the captain, um, I think there's so much more of that character to, 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 that that we're not getting yet. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that needs to be explored. Um, but I think, what was your favourite episode of Picard, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, let's see. That would they all they all kind of kind of planned. I think um, the finale was pretty epic in that it it paid off all of the characterization and that one scene between Picard and Data, um, even though it was sort of obvious, was also necessary, and the two of them acted it out. Wonderfully. Mm, I loved the Riker and Troy episode. Uh, that was good. That was good. That, I, um, I like that one. I think my second favourite one was the one involving the Quatmagot. Oh where yes, the I'm, we, they, we need more with them because they're they're wonderful. We also need more of his uh, Romulan caregivers back on the uh, uh, back in the vineyard. Mm-hmm. He, he sort of left them behind, and given their backgrounds, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to come after him with a hatchet. I mean, yes, you know. especially when they find out he actually died. Mm. Yeah, that, yeah, that, when they find out he actually died and he's now sort of like uh, walking around in a... In, suit. In, in, in a gongum. <laughs> which I Which I mistakenly spell as gongum from Lord of the Rings instead of a, a gongum, which is G-O-L-E-M. Because yeah. I, because yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> So, um, but you know, I soon I soon corrected it. Someone commented, and uh, I thought, oops, because um, I, you know, I didn't didn't intend to sort of misspell it. It just happened to be be that thing. But it's, uh, it's taken from the uh, Jewish legends, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's actually great character realization, given given that he was Locutus, given his connection to Data. Um, it's it's great character realization. And it, it also works not only in terms of thematic realization for the series proper, but it's also again a meta acknowledgement. The fact that he, the fact that they didn't program him to be immortal um, is not only in keeping with the themes established on the show, but they're acknowledging at the meta level that they have an older star, 
and they have to be circumspect about, you know, expectations in terms of the number of years that he can continue on. Um, I mean, Picard is not going to run for 10 years. It's not even probably run for this full seven that Next Gen initially got. He's probably going to run for three, maybe four, depending on his energy levels and timing and stuff. I think it's probably going to be three years. Um, but, but that said, it might not even be three. Might not even be three years because it's um, it's actually quite a bit of a trouble behind the scenes at the moment with with, with regards to uh, you know um, CBS Long Access and uh, and CBS and Viacom and Paramount. Yeah, not a shock. They've been they've been wrangling for years now. So yeah, but the company's now all back together now in uh, under one roof. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently, uh, Paramount and Viacom do not like the fact that um, that Alex Kurtzman's company um, is in charge of production of Star Trek on television, and they want to take it over. Oh. Um, and it did this like uh, and basing Kurtzman's company spending way too much money on 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 the series, as in he's gone over budget. On, on, on everything that that, 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 that that he's done. That's unfortunate. So, you know, they're, they're kind of wanting to take it back. Um, but it, it kind of begs the question, who would they get to take, you know, take it over? Will they, would they go to somebody from, from the old school Star Trek production team? Would they go back there? Um, because those guys aren't getting any younger. No, they're not. And whatever issues we have with, movie Star Trek and the fact that this is the same team for movie Star Trek right now. Um, they are the Star Trek team right now. Yeah, and, and, not, and it doesn't completely suck. A lot of it is quite good. It's just not what we not what we would have done and not what, what we initially signed up for. I mean, here's the thing, it'll probably change again. I mean, they they they, um, they, they kind of repaired, they, they, they managed to repair a lot of the damage they did with first season Discovery in the second season. Um, they did. I mean, it wasn't perfect, they but they managed to sort of, like, sort, sort a lot of the issues out. Um, with Picard, I think, you know, for me, Picard felt more like more like Star Trek than, 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 than anything we've had in a long time. Um, and I did. And, you know... I, I think they did. I think they did a pretty good job on that, and um, and, and and I think it, you know the the politics in it and the themes within it reflect what's going on in the world right now. Um, yes. And yes. you know, for those that are complaining about the politics of it, you know, they they should get they should actually get real because Star Trek's always had politics in it. Yeah, it used allegories back in the original series, so it wasn't too obvious to TV producers. But you can't really get away with doing that sort of thing on television now. It's got no. to be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more in sync with what's actually going on in these times now. I mean, you know, you could get away with that in the sixties, but the, but the fact of the matter is, uh, things within within news media and and everything are a lot more transparent now than they than they once were. <clears throat> and also, there's a lot of, there's a lot more that's hidden now than once was as well. So you know, yes. So, so it's it's moving it's moving with the times, and you know I yeah, I, I yeah. actually quite enjoyed the uh, I, I quite enjoyed the series. He enjoyed Patrick Stewart's uh, acting, and uh, you know, and I, I enjoyed I even enjoyed Raffi's character. Yes, even, yes. Even though she's the most damaged character on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, although Agnes nearly has her beat, but that's okay. Yeah, Agnes, I, you know, if I was a writer on that show, I'd kill Agnes off. 
She serves a purpose now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hoping she stays behind on the synth world. And about that world, um, they didn't get the location for that world until little Kestra texted her crazy old captain friend and got the location from him. Where did he get it? Uh-huh. Yeah, little Kestra. Wasn't she adorable? She was brilliant. She was brilliant. And she's, exa- she's exactly the sort of child that the Rikers would end up having. Um, I, it took a little while to adjust to the fact that they'd lost a son that we never met. Um, that was, that was harsh, but also in keeping with the gen, the general tone of the universe as it is now. But what I liked and, about uh, that was the fact that we, we learned so much more in that episode about their son than we, than, than we, we've learned about Picard in the whole season. <laughs> I know. You know, I thought it was uh, just really well written that. Um, yes. It's just all right, really well done. Um, so, if you to mark it out of ten, what would you give it? Um, for a first season uh, that wasn't perfect, that had some issues, I would give it an eight point five. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm there, there and thereabouts with you. An eight point five. So that's uh, two eight point fives. Okay. Yeah. So moving on to uh, <laughs> Project Book, which has just come to an end as well. Uh, I felt overall that this was a much better season than the first. It was. It was. It's like they took everything that worked about season one and then just improved it. Um, not that season one was bad. It's just that season one was a first season. It was obvious that they didn't quite have their feet under them yet and that they were working out a lot of the kinks. And then by season two, they had worked out the kinks mm-hmm. and, uh, and became more fundamentally what they were going to be. So. And I like the addition of the CIA agent. Oh yes, and, he was marvelous. And I was really gutted when he turned out to betray when when he turned up and basically betrayed them all in, in the um uh, in 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 the committee meeting that they had. Yeah, no, that was that was hard. Meeting. That was hard. I thought, oh man, you know, just after striking a friendship up with Quinn and Quinn Quinn and and uh, Heineck, he, he yeah, goes yeah. and he goes and stabs him in the back. I mean, damn. Yeah, no, that was that was harsh. I did adore the fact that we got a flash forward. Um, to close that, encounters. That, that, was, that was brilliant. That was just so, so heartwarmingly brilliant. Because um, I, I wondered if we were actually going to get a flash forward because they were, they were doing, you know, stuff that was so specifically set in the 50s that, you know, I didn't know if we'd actually get that far, but they, they gave it to us. Um, given, given now that Kennedy is such a big part of the narrative, I'm wondering if they're going to be brave enough to flash forward to 63 mm, they or might, not. They might, might well do. Um, I mean, it kind of, you know, given that Kennedy was involved in Project Blue Book in, in the capacity that he was, yes. it makes, makes me wonder if that may be partly the reason that he, he ended up getting assassinated because... Um, there's there's never been there's never been a satisfactory reason, hasn't there? Really? It's it's always always been in the air and open to conspiracy theories saying that the CIA did it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 as workable a theory as any. And there there is I don't remember the title of it now, but on one of the podcasts, one of the official podcasts, the producers did mention that there is a whole book specifically on Kennedy and UFOs and how much he may have known and not known. And he was the protege of the real life secretary of defense who ended up 
committing suicide historically. The one, the one that was the one whose analog got blown up in the car. Yeah, the one that was working with them in, in throughout most yeah, of the first yeah. season. There, there is a historical analog for that, and and Kennedy was the was the protege of the real life figure that that that, uh, that figure was based on. So they're they're within bounds with this storyline. It's just a question how how far they're going to take it. Yeah, and we we were left with quite a finale as well, wasn't we? With uh, with Quinn um, assumed dead. Yeah, um, no, that was I did not see that coming um, because it's it's not a small thing to do those kinds of cliffhangers in in contemporary television. You can you can sort of get away from it. You can sort of get away with it in the era of um, Best of Both Worlds and Star Trek: Next Generation in the nineties, but these days it's a lot harder to pull off. Yeah. And so the fact that the fact that they're the fact that they're going to go down that road is um, is it is a testament to um, not quite arrogance but but uh, confidence I guess in, in their own storytelling. Yeah, I just I just hope that they do get a third season. I don't know if one's been announced yet or not. No, it hasn't been announced. I think I think well everything is up in the air with Corona, so I don't know. You no. know and. Um, even if it is announced, it's not going to start filming right away because they've got to get out of out of quarantine first. Which, realistically, regardless of what Trump decides to do, realistically, we're probably going to be in quarantine till June. Yeah, um, I mean, I think think June at the earliest. You know, yeah, you could, and that's not that's not even allowing for a resurgence of the virus in the fall when it you know hits us again, because there's usually a second wave. So, yeah, yeah. So we're kind it's of, gonna be a while. We kind of have to hope that there isn't a second wave. <laughs> yeah, um, or, yeah. Or that if there is, the found the found a vaccine by that time, that that that, that can sort yeah. of it. But it's just um, it's 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 um it's crazy um you know everything that's been stopped um and that. But I I gotta admit I did love the way that Project Blue Book ended the the season. It was it was it was a brilliant cliffhanger. It's it spoke to not only the the UFO mythology, but also just the character development of these guys. I also really appreciated the fact that one of the things we talked about in season one was that the Susie storyline had a shelf life. Yeah. That they couldn't drag they couldn't drag that out indefinitely, and the writers were smart enough to realize that. Yeah, they didn't. Um, give, they didn't give her too much to do this season, really. Um, they they kind of. Uh, they, she had more more happening in the first season than she, than she did in this season. That's true. By the same token, um, they've decided to keep. They decided uh, to keep her on because they saw how effectively she interacted with the generals, mm-hmm. and they liked and they liked those performances and they liked those dynamics. So they've decided to keep her on in some capacity for season three, so we can have more of that. Well, Ksenia Solo is just a wicked actress, you know. There's no. She's brilliant. She's, she's brilliant. There's no doubt yeah. about it. You know, she was bringing in Lost Skill, and she's fantastic in this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Know. And then if you've got if you've got um, uh, Michael Harney and, and Neil McDonough as the generals, like my God. Mm. So, and mm. thank you. They finally gave the generals more to do um, because they've got Neil McDonough and Michael Harney, and these are these are actors who've been kicking around for a minute or two, and you know, frankly, deserve some screen time. Um, so yeah, I, I, they did, they did a lot of stuff, a lot of world building, a lot of character building. Mimi got some really cool stuff to do. Um, we got some more stuff on 
the Men in Black, we actually have a um, a name for the uh, Ian Tracy character. Yeah, William. William. Um, yeah, that could be. It's they set up a lot of stuff, so I'm just really hoping that they give us a season three. I mean, it's it's funny with that Ian Tracy character because I was I was watching I was watching it and I was like, where do I recognise him from? Where have I seen him before? I've seen him in stuff before. Where have I seen him before? And then it then it then it snagged Sanctuary. Oh right. You know, um, and the only reason it snagged was Sanctuary is because I rewatched Sanctuary late last year. You remember me talking about? I rewatched the whole the whole series of it last year oh, wow. because I had it on uh, on thing and and. Uh, the only reason it kicked in was this season when I watched your Project Blue book and I, th- I thought, that's the guy out of Sanctuary. And I, I, and I checked on the IMDb and lo and behold, it was the same guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I thought, damn, he's, not, he's hardly aged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I, I, I've just enjoyed, I've enjoyed the heck out of the series. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm actually glad I, 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 uh, I chose to, to uh, add it to the watch list this series. I was going to wait a while before revisiting it because um, I found the first series pacing-wise a little bit, you know, hit and miss. Yeah, that, that, was, that was just them getting, getting the kinks out, which they did. But, you know, but the you know the the relationship between Quinn and Hynex developed quite nicely. Yes. Um, you know, they, and I and I like the fact that they, they they actually do respect each other now, and they you know, and, and the fact that Hynex are like turned up, you know, at Quinn saying, "Hey, fancy one one last adventure?" You know. Yeah, I think that's probably my my favorite episode. Um, in in that you you really saw the camaraderie and you really got a, a a sense of what the Cold War felt like on the ground, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the in that stage of the Cold War because we came of age toward the end of it, and we, and we got we got the glad the Glasnost era, you know, when when Mikhail Gorbachev was doing all of his stuff, but the, the, these folks were operating, you know, in in the heart of it, and it's, it was a different thing. And so to actually have a to have that episode where where you where you have them face off over what could be an actual nuke, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's a lot lot more weight to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if they're gonna, you know, if they're gonna do the Cuban Missile Crisis. They could, they could. Um, mm. They would have to flash forward to sixty two, isn't it? Yeah, they would have to flash forward. Um, but if they found a reason to flash forward, if they found a story that linked the two properly. They could do it. They could absolutely do it. Was was it sixty two? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I think it was sixty two. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was the, his last big crisis before the before his shooting uh, and on assassination. The fourth, yeah. yeah, which was what the twenty uh, third of November, nineteen sixty three. During nineteen sixty three. Yeah. If they if they do flash forward, they're going to have to do it very carefully. Um, because operating with historical figures that were actually historical figures in this context is not a minor thing, even when you've got, even when you've got justifiable narrative, mm. they've got to they've got to tread circumspectly. But if, but if, but I, I trust these writers to do that. They've they've proven deft. They've proven they're up to it. So you know, I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how they balance all of that. 
Yeah, but overall, much better season two. Um, much better, much better. And I think um, I think scoring that one out of ten, you know, I'd, I'd be inclined to go to go to a you know a generous nine. Yeah, I don't want to give them a ten because they ended on a cliffhanger, and I don't I don't grade anything that ends on a cliffhanger on mm. a perfect score because we're actually missing story. So nine nine is about it. Yeah, I'm you know I'm trying not to give give out too many tens of night as well. You know, I think I think we give out way too many tens as it is. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think we need to height I think we need to make the bar a little bit higher. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, it's it's hard because we we're reviewing stuff for a company that um the bar is is set pretty high because they, they're not slouches, you know, in a lot of these companies. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I think we nine will work. We'll just come out and say the company's big finish, by the way, who produce uh, better Doctor Who than the BBC do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, so like, uh, that's Project Blue Book. Um, now going on to the uh, Disney Channel, uh, Disney Plus. Yes. Um, just come out in England, as you know, um, last week on the 23rd of, um, of March. Um, and, you know, to be honest, they couldn't have timed it better. They timed it at such a point where everyone in the UK was starting to go into isolation. Yeah, in fact, I think somebody somebody tweeted about that, kind of quipped about it. Um, I, by and large, am really enjoying it. Um, I mean, it's all like I've been been watching bits and pieces on it since since getting it last week. Um, the only thing I'm really disappointed about was the fact that it didn't sort of like put all of Mandalorian on there and all of um, uh-huh. all Wars was far. They're, they're they're teasing out and and, and lagging behind and and I think if they carry on in that vein on the uh, newer Marvel stuff they're going to be bringing out and stuff like that if they carry on in that vein people are just going to download it and they're going to lose customers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But other than that the the content's good. They've got Neil deGrasse Tyson's Into the Cosmos on there which you've been watching. Um, yeah, it's good. Excellent. But it seems like it's um it's similar to the one that was on Netflix. I think it's the same one, but they may have added bits to it and and more 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 to it sort of thing. Um. Uh, but it's a bit confusing because I looked it up on IMDb and apparently it was made this year. <laughs> so yeah, I so it's a it's a bit weird. Um, but I've just been watching it and quite enjoying that because I, I kind of like watching um, you know think things about um, history and science and such. So that's yeah. been quite good. Um, obviously it is a Mandalorian and, and stuff like that but I've also been enjoying re-watching um, Agent Carter uh, yes you know, the the, um, the the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. spin-off from you know from Captain America yeah, yeah. and they've got all those shows on there they've got all of um, Agent Carter on there. They've got all of um, all of Agents of Shield so far, and they also have all of the Inhumans. Uh, that was an unfortunate series. But... Yeah, I think it was originally meant to be a movie, wasn't it, or something? And they yeah, couldn't... it was supposed to be a movie. <clears throat> the movie was supposed to come out when the Inhumans were introduced on Agents of Shield. They were supposed to tie together, and then the movie got pushed back, which caused some various problems and then they ended up putting a lot of it in the Inhuman series mm. but, the, and, but the whole thing of Disney Plus what I'm looking forward to it with regards to it is a lot of TV projects that are being announced that are obviously delayed now due to the coronavirus um, basically the entire slate <laughs> yeah basically the entire slate as you say you know they, they had the Obi-Wan series who they just found a new writer for um, so that's sort of like um, one 
Um, they were talking about a Cassian Andor series to, as a spin-off from Rogue One, ah. uh, well, prequel to Rogue One, because it would have talked about Cassian Andor before he, he uh, met, you know, met with his doom. Uh-huh. Um, the and today, in fact, um, well, in, in the last couple of days, it's come out that they're looking at doing a solo series for the X Men. Oh. Um, now that they've got the rights to the X-Men back, they're looking to do TV series on, on Disney+. Plus. Uh, but one that you might not know about, I think he actually did send you a tweet about it the other night, and uh, it's, been in, it's been in development for quite a while, and it's um, a series rebooting the Mighty Ducks with Amelia Westerves returning as Coach Bombay. That'll be fun. Hmm? It's a different story. It's a different storyline. It's set after the after the films, so it's kind of like soft reboot, soft continuation. I think so. So doing yeah. Alpha, but for the um, for the original lineup to sort of like come back in, I should imagine. But um, uh-huh. the fact that Maris on IMDb, Emilio Estevez is is listed as Coach Bombay in in the cast for it, so he's back. So, so I'm quite looking forward to that because I, I loved those Mighty Duck movies. So, so like in my early twenties at the time when they came out, so still a big enough kid to enjoy them, <laughs> you know. So yeah, yeah. And 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 guess what I watched this week? The entire Mighty Ducks what? trilogy. <laughs> the the entire oh, wow. Mighty Ducks trilogy because uh, I, I've had a bit more time this week. So obviously there's not been as much coming out um, no. to review. So I thought I'd take advantage of a, of a little time. So I, I watched the Mighty Ducks trilogy. Well, I've, I've been watching the original Mission Impossible on um, on CBS All Access. Mm. So With Nenad Nimoy. Yeah, actually, I haven't got up to his season yet. I'm still on season one. Yeah, I think he came into it in season two, didn't he, when, you know, after Star Trek was cancelled. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've never really watched the original Mission Impossible series. It's fun. It's basically it's basically the entire reason why we have things like uh, leverage, mm-hmm. and it's um it's it's basically James Bond meets leverage. And it's it's with you know it's sort of international flair. It's kind of it's really kind of cool. Without and, guns, um, I'm they sorry, they didn't use guns, didn't they? They never used lethal force in it. Occasionally, but they don't. Not as a go-to. Um, they they weren't afraid to use them. They weren't MacGyver about it. They had them, and they occasionally would fire them, but they didn't start uh, firing them as the, as the initial response. Primarily because they were operating sub very sub rosa, and um, the minute you start firing guns, you let people know you're there in the first place. So they were operating in a in a situation where a lot of the time where they just couldn't afford to let people that know that they were even there. Because mm-hmm. they would get disavowed. Yeah. 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 Unlike in the Mission Impossible films, where he's always getting disavowed. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I um, I gave up on the Mission Impossible films after the first one because John Voight played an evil version of um, of um, Peter Graves Phelps, mm-hmm. and I'm like, if you're gonna make it, if you're gonna make Peter Graves' character evil, I don't want to even know about you. Goodbye. So yeah, that's that's where it probably helped me that I wasn't that invested in the original show because I, I actually <laughs> quite enjoyed the films. Um, you know, I mean, I won't lie, the films are actually quite funny because he's always getting disavowed. <laughs> yeah. So, so you kind of like uh, sat there thinking, hmm, how many times is this guy going to get disavowed? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> When's he going to get disavowed? Oh, first five minutes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know. 
So they're quite predictable, but they're funny. They're just popcorn movies at the end of the day. Um, yeah, yeah. You know. Well, the series was the series was a popcorn series at the end of the day. So, but a, a lot of Star Trek actors uh, in it. Um, they, I saw um, Mark Leonard, who played Stark, was in a was in a supporting role for one episode. Um, George Takei was a guest star agent in another episode. I think they basically had the same casting agency between the two shows. So I think the other thing is they were both filmed on Desenu Studios. That too. Yeah, a lot of crossover. And as a result, um, the, the original Mission Impossible comes off as genre adjacent because they're, it's just sort of Star Trek infused. You know. Yeah, I mean, missed opportunity or what? They could have done a Star Trek Mission Impossible crossover. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm actually surprised we haven't seen a comic to that effect. I might actually read it if they do. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if someone someone from Dynamite mm. thinks, hmm, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, they could. With all with all of the time travel that the original Star Trek uh, did, it's it's feasible. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, you know, I watch my Mighty Duck movies. You watch your Mission Impossible things. Uh, you know, makes me wonder what's next. Um, but, but a bit of new, interesting news has come out. Do you remember Life on Mars, the British version? Yes, yeah. Apparently, there's a rumour going around that they're going to revive it. Oh. So it could well be coming back. <laughs> I don't know how, but it could yeah. well be coming back. So, um, and Ben, who's the new writer, one of the new writers on Sci-Fi Pulse, he says, Bugs is I'm doing this, and I go, fine, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so, so there's that to, uh, to look forward to if it happens, if we ever get out of quarantine. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But so, like, um, it's interesting, it's so, like, we, didn't, we talked about this COVID-19 thing a little bit, but it's actually had an effect on Flash and, um, and, and the regular DC shows. Yeah, and in fact, I, I tweeted you an article um, that discussed the the um, the schedule. This this coming week, we get the return of Nancy Drew on Wednesday, uh, and around that, we get um, Batman, Bat Batwoman, and Supergirl reruns on Sunday, and then starting Tuesday, they're going to re-air uh, the Crisis. Five-parter again. Are they? Yes. Damn. Um, you know, so like, uh, I don't think I'm ready to re rewatch that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need about a year, at least a year. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've gotten so invested in the changes, I'm not ready to go backwards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the, uh, you know, I think I think this this break in in the schedule is like it's an ideal time for them to actually show a few older shows, you know, to to to, to re re show a few older shows for you if you want to appreciate gems. Like a, like the like the original Flash. Yeah. You can just bring back Flash ninety one. It's, it's it's it was only a single season or thereabouts, and it's just long enough for if they aired it weekly, it would be just long enough for. You know the quarantine period. Yeah, and it and didn't have any complicated series arcs either. So you know, sort of like uh, you know, pe- people can become as invested in it as they as they as they want to be. Uh, yeah, without having feeling in need to watch every episode. Yeah, like. and then they could get John Wesley Ship to provide some on- online commentary from his home or wherever he's quarantining right now. Yeah, you know, you could and, maybe uh, make, they could maybe have a post-flash discussion show where they have, uh, you know, where they invite guest stars from the show back and uh, discuss, discuss, discuss the makings of the episode and, and give the fans the DVD extras that never came with the DVD. Yeah, you know? that would work. 
<laughs> and, and they don't even need to be in the same studio. You can just do it remotely from whatever location they're at. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like, um, and, and they should repeat all of Warehouse 13. Yes. Now, um, there's all there's all sorts of stuff that they could just just repeat um, while 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 the um, while, while a lot of the shows are on on the enforced haters, you know. I mean, sort of yeah. like um, I'd like to see the animated series of Planet of the Apes get shown again. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, is there anything else uh, we should be discussing? Um, have we we covered a lot? Do you think? I think we've covered a lot. Yeah. Okay, well, with, with that, um, that brings to an end another episode of uh, SFP Now. Hopefully we'll be back at you again next month um, with, with an update and things. So it might be more news-orientated about, about, about things in development uh, than, than it is about actual TV shows that are actually airing. Because it's so like, um, as, as everyone's aware... Um, stuff's in the air at the moment, and um, you know we, we're not we, we're not going to be getting back to normal until some time. I don't think. No, it's, in fact, realistically, even even if the quarantine is over by June or or mid July, um, that doesn't mean that the shows are automatically going to come back because they've got to ramp back up. It's a whole process with like hundreds of people and equipment and locations and all of that stuff. So it's probably going to be probably at least a year before we see anything like a normal season again. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Well, um, on 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 that sad, um, unfortunate note, um, I I bid adieu for a while, and uh, we'll be back at you again next month. Bye.